I want to talk about the exceeding route. The exceeding route. A lot of times uh, when we're in middle school, we're in high school, and somebody asks you, what do you want to do? You know, you have this like free imagination. It's like, I want to do this, or I want to do that. And, And then we get a little older, we get grayer, or lack thereof, and have some kids, and, and then somebody asks, you know, what do you want to do? And you're like, I'm just trying to make it, you know. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make it. And I, I, I don't want us to get into that funk of just trying to make it. I, I don't want us to be there. I want us to have this heightened expectation. Many of your favorite scriptures, some of you in this room, your favorite scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a future and a hope. Now, for most who love that scripture, their favorite part of the scripture is plans to prosper me. And that's why it's everybody's favorite scripture. But the last part of the scripture is almost as valuable as the first part. Because he's saying, I'll give you a hope. A hope. I want to visualize this. Um, Luke, my man, uh, there's a, a chair all the way to the back of that wall. Go grab that chair and bring it down here. That's my boy, Luke. There you go. Run, 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 run. There you go. There you go. It's hard to run and look cool at the same time, but go with running. There we go. I love my son. I'm going to use you again here in a minute. Let me show you an example of living with hope. Hope is an expectation of what's to come. So when he says, I will give you a future and a hope, that means When he gives you hope, you have an expectation of what's coming in the future. You may not know exactly what it looks like. You may not know what God is going to do. But you have this expectation that it's going to be good. See, this is life without hope. Just trying to get through. You're comfortable. You're like, God, just... Help me. Help me, dear God. Help me. And you're just sitting there. But when you have an expectation that something good is going to happen, you're not sitting like this. You're sitting like this. You have an expectation. I watched a boxing fight last night, and I was sitting at the edge of my seat like this. I have this expectation that something crazy is about to happen. Whenever I watch a movie, when I'm bored, I'm like this. When I have this expectation, I'm like this. When God says, I'm going to give you a hope, he's saying, your life is going to have this expectation that something good is always about to happen. Now, you're still going to have battles. Don't let me, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. You're still going to have battles. But in the midst of the battles, you're still not losing this sense of hope. I expect something good's about to happen. But when you're in this funk part of life, where you're just trying to make it, 
your favorite scripture is not alive to you. You don't have hope. You don't have hope. And so I want to talk about this heightened, this route. There's a certain route that you take to have this exceedingly aspect to your life. I want to talk about the route because the route is simple. It's a simple route, but it takes some focus. In other words, a simple route is driving from Florida to California. That's a simple route. It's one road. Like, if you need directions, get on I-10 east and don't get off. And you will end up in California. If you're in California and you want to get to Florida, get on I-10 West and don't get off. It's simple, but it requires some focus and some discipline. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Real loud. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Luke did participate. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Thank you. All right. So watch this. Let me illustrate my point a little bit. Let's say you are driving the car and you have a quarter tank of gas left. Okay. You have a quarter tank left. So if you drive a truck, you can drive two more miles. If you drive a Toyota Yaris, you can drive 60 more miles. But nevertheless, you have a quarter tank of gas left. And you think to yourself, I need some more gas. You're driving down the road and you see a gas station. And you've already thought, I need some more gas. But you look at the gas station and you say to yourself, I don't like that gas station. Like the lights are flickering. Half of them are on, half of them are off. There's bars on the window. You immediately imagine the restroom and you're like, you're going to have to lift up the seat with your foot or close the seat with your foot and you're going to flush it with your elbow, open the door with your pinky and you're just like, ah, I don't want to go there. The, the toilet is probably more brown than white. I just, just don't want to go there. Plus, I don't feel safe. I just... I don't even need to use the bathroom, but I don't feel safe. I, I think I'll wait. And you keep going down the highway, and all of a sudden you see this fixture that you know only God could build. And it says, Bucky's in seven miles. <laughs> and you're like, thank God for Bucky's. You get to Bucky's and you get your gas and you're just happy you waited, right? You're just like, I'm going to go in and buy something. I'm not even hungry, but I'm at Bucky's, so I got to buy something. I don't even like beef jerky, but since you have so much nice beef jerky, I'll buy some beef jerky. So you leave and you got a big gulp drink and, and the whole, you're happy. But you had a half a tank, of, you had a quarter tank of gas. You had options. Now, if... The same scenario were to happen, but you don't have a quarter tank of gas. Now you're in the red. You're in the orange. And you see that same gas station with the bars on the window, the lights are flickering. You don't care. You're empty. You'll take whatever you can get. Are you with me? You put the thing in, you take whatever you get. See, when you're empty... You take whatever you can get. When, have you ever had somebody say, hey, I've been dating this guy for 12 weeks or 
six months. I can't wait for you to meet him. And then you meet him and you're like, really? <laughs> of all the options out there, this is the one? Parents, let me talk to you. I got a girlfriend. Really? Awesome. I, I want to meet her. No. There's two million girls out there. This was the one you picked. You went away to college. You came home with this was what you looked at out of all the girls. You went, this is the one. I want to have my children right here. This is this is the one of all. Of, and you think to yourself, what you could have done better. You, you see the, the guy that the, he comes in with. And you're like, this is the guy that you're bringing into the family. This is of all the guys. This was the one that you picked. See, when you're on empty, you'll take whatever you can get. When your self-esteem and your self-image is low, you'll just pick whatever you got. When your expectations are down, when you have no hope, your expectations get low, you just take whatever you can. You live your life saying, God, just as long as I get to heaven, I'm happy. I'm not even going to ask for any blessings. I, I, I just, just, just help me. And then there are certain scriptures that when you think of them or someone else says them, you discard them because that's beyond your imagination. Like John chapter 12, verse 10, where he says, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the miracles that I have done. The expectations are so low because we're tired and we're worn out. What I want to say is, look, in the next few minutes, I want to raise your expectations. I want you to realize that the route to living with hope and excitement is not hard. It just requires focus. There's three things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6. There's three things. It's like a wheel. And it says this, it says, it says, do not worry about anything, pray about everything and thank him for everything that he has done. So it's a wheel, click, click, click. Don't worry, pray, thank him. Watch this. Don't worry, pray, thank him. So when I am praying alone, I'm going through that wheel. Sometimes I pray for five minutes. Sometimes I pray for four hours. Doesn't matter how long I pray, I'm going through that wheel. So it looks like this. I walk in and I start to thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I'm breathing. Thank you that my heart is pumping. I don't even have to concentrate on my heart and it pumps. I thank you that I'm breathing. I thank you that my eyes blink and I don't even have to think about it. You thank him for everything you can think of until you get bored and you're done praying. When you feel like you're done praying, that just means that that section is over and you go to the next one. And then you start to think about every single worry you can think about. If you worry about it, pray about it. Pray about what you worry about, pray about what you want. Pray about what you worry about, pray about what you want. Pray about what you worry about, pray about what you want. Pray about what you... Come on, work with me, work with me. Pray about what you... Okay, just so you know, when I put my hand over here... That means what you worry about. When I put my hand over here, that means I pray about what I want. Pray about what you worry about. Pray about what you want. 
Some of you are getting fancy. You're going, worry, want, worry. I don't even need the rest. Worry, want, worry. So we'll do that, okay? We'll go worry, want. We'll just skip the rest. One, two, three. you worry about you pray about what you want and then you thank him for everything that he did thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you thank you thank you thank you i'm worried i'm worried i'm worried i want i want i want i'm worried i want i want i want i want i want thank you thank you thank you thank you i'm worried i'm worried i want i want i want thank you thank you thank you it's just a wheel it's not complicated you get on i-10 and you put your foot on the gas and you go are you with me say yes now what happens when you do that the very next verse says, then, after you do that, then you will have grace that exceeds your understanding. You will have peace that exceeds, peace that exceeds your understanding. You and I, we may not be Einstein, but we can understand a lot about peace. But evidently, there's a kind of peace that is so rich and so overwhelming, we can't understand it. And it's available when we do the wheel. Then you will have peace that exceeds your understanding. And the peace of God will protect your mind and protect your heart as you live in Christ. That peace that exceeds your understanding is available just by clicking through the wheel. Worry about it. Pray about it. Worry about it. Pray about it. Pray about what you worry about. Pray about what you want. Pray about what you worry about. Pray about what you want. And then thank them, thank them, thank them, thank them, thank them. There's nothing else. There's no, there's no other formula. All right. So two times this week, I've had somebody come up to me. One person had one issue. Another person had another issue. And when they, after the second person, I thought, I'm going to have to talk about this on Sunday because I don't think it's just these two people that have these thoughts. I think that there's other people that have these thoughts too. Have you ever had the thought, hmm, I want God to bless me, but there's other people who need a blessing much more than I do. So I'm not even going to ask because I know they need it way more than me. We're, sometimes someone needs a physical healing and they won't ask. Sometimes people need a, a raise, but they won't ask because other people don't even have a job. And so they just, there's other people that need it more. I was out to lunch with somebody one time and he says, I wanted to pray for God to heal me. But I looked across the sanctuary and I saw people that were more desperate than me. So I asked God to give them my healing. This is a very real theology. 
So I want to take all those thoughts away. Are you ready? Everybody say go. go. Come here, Luke. He's like, geez, dad. Watch this. I love my son more than I love me. He's just like me, except better. He knows that because I've been saying that since he was two. You're just like me, except better. Better. If I were with Presley, I would say, you can do everything I can do except, and she would say, more. I love the kids more than I love me. You parents, you're exactly like me. You love your kids more than you love yourself. I don't ever want him to wonder if he can take another breath. I want him to not even worry that there's plenty of oxygen in this world for him to breathe. And so therefore, because I want him to have as much oxygen as he'll ever want and more, I'm not going to take any. Isn't that silly? Because you know what you're thinking? Frankie, there's enough for both of you. Go ahead. <gasps> Ooh, doesn't that feel good? <gasps> you could have been doing this the whole time, Frankie. <gasps> Are you with me? Yes. To us, put your hands together for that. Thank you, Jamie. There's enough oxygen for the both of us. There's enough grace for all of us. Guess what? Everybody can be healed. Everybody can be blessed. Everybody can experience it. I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share it anyway. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't know that God can bless me, and I don't know that I can have this extravagant life. I deserve this extravagant life because I have been living. You don't even know the things that I've done, Frankie. You don't even know. I say things, I do things, I think things, I've done things, I've done things that I will never tell you. It doesn't matter if you give me a million dollars, I'm still not going to tell you. And so people in that category don't ask God for this exceedingly life because they don't feel like they deserve it. Just for you. It's not in your app. It's just for you. It's in Romans chapter 9, verse 12. It says that he calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. So when you feel compelled, God is calling you. So if you feel compelled to go to church, that's God calling you to go to church. If you feel compelled to pray, that's God calling you to pray. If you feel compelled to do better, that's God calling you to do better. No man comes to the Father unless drawn by the sun. So if he's calling you, if he's compelling you, he's doing it not because of your good or bad works. He doesn't go, I'm not calling you because you've been bad. And then he doesn't look at other people and go, well, I'm going to call you because you've been really good. God is like nobody we have ever met in our whole world, in our whole life. 
He just loves us unconditionally because you're here. Not because of what you did. Not because of what you didn't do. He just loves you because you're you. And so he doesn't call people according to their good or bad works. He calls you, he compels you, he draws you, he compels you, he draws you. That's why you can stay away from church for a hundred years and you're still thinking about God. Why am I still? Because he keeps, he won't leave you alone. He keeps drawing you, he keeps compelling you, and you do a million stupid things and you're still thinking about God. How does that work? Keeps drawing you, keeps compelling you, not according to your good or bad works. Somebody say, I love Jesus. Say it real loud. One, two, three. I love Jesus. Say, I love my kids. I love my kids. But I really love Jesus. I really love Jesus. <laughs> Watch this. Let me blow your mind. You ready? So if you're new here, let me catch you up in 10 seconds or less. Our church is 15 years old. For 12 and a half years, I saw one undeniable miracle. One. Somebody's bone, collarbone, moved underneath my fingers when I prayed for it. One time. That's it. And the last year and a half, every single Sunday, people get healed. Everyone. Now, just to be intellectually honest and to have integrity and transparency, so far... Not everybody we've prayed for has been healed so far. Sometimes people get healed on the 791st prayer, and some people get healed on the very first prayer. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand. We just keep praying. But we're seeing miracles like we've never had before. Last Sunday, somebody's deaf ear opened. Bang, right there. It was unbelievable. It was awesome. We don't know how it happens, when it happens. We don't know. We just pray. But last Sunday, something so funny happened. Um, Heather, I want you to come up here and, uh, and, and share uh, your story. And um, I'm, when she's, she's going to share her story, and then I'm going to share my half of her story that she wasn't aware of. And you guys are so lucky because we've told this story in the first service. We told it in the second service. But in the third service, the person that I'm going to talk about is actually here today. And I just want to tell you, don't get nervous. We didn't mention your name in the first service. We didn't mention your name in the second service. And we're not going to mention your name in this service. So breathe. Because she's breathing, everybody breathes so she doesn't feel awkward. She's probably sitting right next to you and you don't even know. So everybody go, <gasps> All right, go ahead, Heather. Step right up here and share your story. So when Pastor Frankie had first come back from Brazil, it was the very first Sunday, and it was in this service, um, he said that he felt like he needed to pray for someone who had a pain in their right hip. And I had had sciatica uh, going down basically my right hip, my back, my right hip, and all the way down my leg. Um, It seemed to always hurt in my hip, though. And I was in pain at that moment when he said that, but I thought, no, he's not talking about me. I'm just going to sit here in pain. Um, and then, and then he said, he felt like he needed to pray for someone who had a pain in their eye. Well, for three years I had had a pain in my eye and I didn't know why. And, um, so I was like, well, I guess that's definitely me. So I came up here and got prayed for. 
And by the way, I didn't say this in the other services, but the pain in my eye is gone. (laughs) I don't even know what that was about. (laughs) But um, anyway, so he prayed for me about seven or eight times, and it kind of kept getting better each time. And, um, And then, like, the last time he prayed, I felt a warmth go down my leg. And um, so then he told me, you know, to tell everybody, you know, on my way out to just tell people about it. And so I did that. And by the time I got to my car, um, I didn't have any pain. And I felt this like emptiness in my leg. It was weird. It was the first time in seven years that I didn't have pain in my hip and my leg. All right. So. Puss, you did perfect. You did perfect. You did fantastic. You did perfect. All right, so press pause on that story. So last Sunday, uh, she's walking out of the church, and she sees somebody that she knows. She used to be a client. Yes, she was a client at my doggy daycare. Doggy daycare. So she walks up to her, and she's like, hey, it's so good to see you, blah, 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 chick tock, chick tock, chick tock. You know how ladies get, oh, girlfriend, what's that? <laughs> and so Heather says, okay, so I got healed here at Celebration. I had a sciatic pain. It wrapped around my hip. It went down my, my leg, and it's completely gone. Now, the person that she is talking to is standing there, and she's like, why are you telling me this story? Why are you telling me this story? So... How do I even know that any of this happened? Okay. So last Monday, I went to go speak at this large organization. The CEO, she asked me to come talk to her staff. And there's like 350 people there. So I went to go speak for the staff. This is last Monday. And I'm walking out. She walks me to the door and she goes, oh, before you leave, I got something to tell you. I was in celebration service yesterday, a week ago today, and I was walking out, and this lady that I know, we've been friends a long time, she comes up and she tells me her story, and initially I'm like, why are you telling me this story, and then, but she was describing this healing with her sciatic nerve that I'm ex- I have been experiencing the same exact thing every day for months, and it's been so painful. And so she finishes her story, and so me and my family, we just go to the car. And my husband says, how's your back doing? And she's like, I'm praying for our kid. I'm not praying for me. A little bit later, he goes, so how's your back doing? She goes, I told you I was praying for our kid. I wasn't praying for me. Because guys are sometimes a little slow. (laughs) We don't really get the point. We just keep egging it on. Later on that evening, so how's your back doing? Now, she's, she's a little bit spicy. So she kind of amped it up a little bit to make her point clear. Honey, which didn't mean honey. I said I was praying for our kid. I wasn't praying for me. Point taken. But she went to sleep and she was like, man, this is the first day long time I haven't felt any pain the next morning was when I spoke to her staff last Monday 
six days, eight, what, eight, eight days ago, whatever it is. So she goes, Frankie, I don't want to jinx it, but I haven't had any pain first time in months. Then she looks at me, she says, is that weird? She goes, I, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to say it because if it comes back, then I don't, you know, I don't want to be embarrassed. I said, look, first of all, it's not weird. Nobody even prayed for her. What I didn't tell her because I didn't feel like going off because I get excited about this stuff. In Revelations chapter 19, verse 10, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you tell somebody what Jesus has done, the testimony, what he has done, the person listening goes, huh, he still does that. Do you see that? The person giving the testimony is what he has done, but the person listening hears it in present tense. Huh, he still does that. The testimony is the spirit of prophecy. So when she gave her testimony about the exact same thing, her faith went... She walks off, her faith is up, bang, Jesus touches her without anybody even praying for her. Without anybody even praying for her. Thank you, Heather. Now, let me just, I'm all over the map, I'm so sorry. There are times when somebody gets healed and like a boomerang, days later, weeks later, months later, they start battling the same thing. Sometimes it's days later. And they wonder if they really did get healed. I wonder if I really got healed or not. There is something called a spirit of affirmity. They're like boomerangs. They're, you get rid of them. You celebrate. Pink. You go, I don't know if I really got healed. You did get healed. The little rascal came back. Now, not everybody fights that. A lot of people, they get healed and they never experience it ever again. Some people, it goes and then it comes back. I don't have time to show you how this is scriptural. But you just rest and say, if the Lord healed me once, he'll heal me again. Margaret Thatcher, she's not a theologian that, that I know of, but she said something very profound. She said, some battles, you have to fight more than once to win it. This is not abnormal, folks. If you have somebody that struggles with pornography, they're struggling with pornography, they're struggling with pornography, they pray, they pray, they pray, and then they go one day and they didn't look any porn. Two days, they're doing great, they're doing great, thank you, Jesus. A whole week, they didn't look at any porn. And then all of a sudden, they break down and they look again. Did God not protect them? Did that spirit not leave for seven days? Did it not leave for seven days? Yes, it did leave for seven days, but the rascal came back. The only way that you can keep that away the only, the only way. Some people get healed of it and they never struggle with it again. Just like sickness. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus said, watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. So you don't even get tempted. Watch and pray. Keep on praying. 
so that you don't get tempted. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So in order to keep that away from you, keep on praying. That spirit of pornography is no different than a spirit of affirmity. Sometimes you just got to keep on praying. The alcoholic has to keep on praying. The pornography has to keep on praying. The person, is, they got to keep on praying because it'll go away and then it'll come back. But what ends up happening is the more you pray, the more you pray, your whole body, it turns into like this barbed wire fence where you touch it and goes, it's, it's like these, this spear of affirmation tries to, like it cannot come around. The more you pray, I've got testimony on top of testimony on top of testimony of things that used to bombard me like depression. and, and I could, The list is, is from the ceiling to the floor. Of things that used to just tear me to pieces. The more I pray, the more I pray, the less I battle. The more I pray, the less I battle. Some of you will get healed and you'll never fight it again. Thank you. Pow. And then there's some spirits of affirmity that will come back around and you just think to yourself, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. We whipped you once, we'll whip you again. Kaboom. Are you with me? Say yes. Stand up on your feet. Keep giving the Lord a standing ovation, would you? You know, sometimes, sometimes I, I preach for 10 or 12 minutes, and then we just go for healing and watch miracles happen. And then we have Sundays like today where I speak a lot longer, and I think to myself, man, Frankie, get consistent. And I, I took myself off the hook, and I thought to myself, you know what, sometimes people's theology needs to be strengthened. That's why that word in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says that the, um, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword pierces between the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, convicting the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Sometimes you need to see a miracle. Sometimes you need to see healings. But sometimes your theology needs to be strengthened. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, give it to them.